Hi, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business. What is Mind Your Business? It is a website full of great content and podcasts that come from real world experience, not a bunch of crap you read in a textbook. Listen, folks, this is 30 years of me running businesses, businesses that I started from scratch or that I was hired to help run. This is real world great nuggets of knowledge. The whole idea of Mind Your Business is for you to build your personal capacity. It's your ability to make an impact in your world, whether it's an organization, whether it's a club, whether it's within your family, or anything you do, can you make an impact? And the answer is yes, but every day you got to get better. You've got to get stronger. It's just like being an athlete. You, you build your muscles, you build your endurance. Well, in business, you build your knowledge, you build your experience, you build your expertise, and then you take that to the marketplace. That is how you build your capacity. Now, who should be listening? There's not a soul out there that can't benefit from this content, but let me tell you, out of 10 people, everybody's going to get a different nugget out of every piece of content. So when you're listening to this, listen for the stuff that really resonates for you. And then send me a message. Connect with us. Be engaged. Let us know what's working for you and what you need more of. This is going to be a great, great adventure for all of us. And I'm very excited that you're a part of what we're doing. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski. I'm on the road today. I'm actually in Springfield, Missouri, visiting a a significant client of ours. And I've got a very special guest in my car. I've got a guest that I've known for about 30 years. It's My guest is Dr. Hall Thorpe. That's Hall, like as in I walk down the hall. It's a very unique and fantastic name. You're going to learn that Hall is from North Carolina. You'll be able to tell from his accent. He has a doctorate in strategic leadership and also an MBA. And he is not only a businessman and an entrepreneur, but he is a, a guest professor often and then also teaches adjunct at universities in North Carolina. Hall, we're really glad you're here. Glad to be here, Mark. Well, I've got some questions. We're going to do five questions with Hall. We're going to put him on the spot. And what we're going to ask Hall to do is to be really truthful about the situations he deals with as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a boss as an advisor to young people. So, Hall, let me ask you this. I'm going to start right out of the gate saying, tell me who is the most influential person ever in your career. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the stuff we've been talking about in the Mind Your Business podcast, it's all about who that we've had a discussion about. Is it who you know? And yes, it's important that you know the right people, but it's really just as important about your character. But we've also talked about being around the right kind of people. And I wanted to, you to take a minute and say, who's the most influential person ever in your career and why? Great question, Mark. Thank you. Without a doubt, um, my father. And that sounds trite or predictable, but my father's first name was Seabury, S-E-A-B-U-R-O-I. And it's an Episcopal name. And um, my father's father died when he was three. The coolest part about my father was while he didn't have a father growing up, he had a support structure around him of uncles, of cousins, of aunts, and his sense of family was profound. And so um, he became a business partner of mine. Um, and part of the, the influential aspect of my father was his absolute um, insistence 
on unity, uh, but not unity for unity's sake, but that the right people with the right character traits coming together with a shared vision can do insanely great things. And I actually saw him and his brothers and our family accomplish that. He was also a big numbers guy, and his point was the one with the guy with the numbers wins. Anecdotes are worthless. If you have the math, if you have the numbers, always be the numbers guy. Um, and that stuck with me. So without a doubt, it's my dad. Well, that's really great. I know that you currently uh, perform some business services through your company with your father and your brother. You know, there are a lot of times where, and I had a, a situation recently where a guy flew up from Houston to see me, and he said, do you have any family members in your business? And I said, well, not only yes, but hell yes. I mean, family members are fantastic. Well, he did not want to engage with us. He did not want to do business because of nepotism, which is the concept of, you know, favored treatment or turning your head uh, toward family members and allowing them to get away with things that you wouldn't allow anybody else. Take, take a second. Are there any upsides and possible downsides about being in business with your family? Absolutely. You know, you hear it all the time. My brother and I are very close. Um, the, the tendency with family businesses is oftentimes to, to mix family life with business life. And people want to say you have to keep them separate. Well, we're entrepreneurs, which means it's 24-7. There is no keeping it separate. There's no work-life balance. It's all in. And so um, working with family, not everyone can work with family members. But you have the advantage of already knowing the heart and the ability of those in your family. So if you've got the right people, they can be the absolute most wonderful business partners in the world because you can be completely transparent. But it's partly dependent on each party, be they brothers, sisters, siblings, whatever it is, parents, children, treating each other like colleagues um, and, and desiring, truly desiring the best for each other. Again, that sounds kind of predictable, but unless you have the right mindset of wanting the very best for your business partners, um, if they're family, uh, there's a richness there and a trust there that transcends just normal transactional relationships. You know, it's interesting you, you talk about the way that you communicate with your family. I've got an employee that's Italian, and she tells me that when they have a disagreement, they just blow up, yell and scream, and then they open a bottle of wine and have pasta, <laughs> and everything's fine. Well, my family, my wife's family is Norwegian, and my family is is English, and so we kind of grew up not sharing exactly all the feelings, not blowing up and yelling, but more of a cold approach. So for us, it's a little more difficult to have a very direct conversation with family members. That's something I struggle with, but you guys have, have done real well. Is there a way that you do that by separating the person from the behaviors, as an example? Absolutely. You know, we all have a tendency in our family to, to, to be the European stoic, to, to, be, <laughs> to be passive aggressive. And I think that, that the big key is, is to acknowledge that on the front end and absolutely say we're not going to get it from this table until this issue is resolved favorably for everyone at this table. Um, that It takes absolutely putting it out there and, and acknowledging how your family communicates or doesn't communicate. That's, that's core to making, it, to making it work. So let's say that there's somebody out listening to this podcast and they're considering joining their family business, which is not in any way a bad move. It's not necessarily a great move, nor is it a bad move. It's, it's not relevant what I think. It's what's relevant for that person. But let's say that you were to bring in uh, or you were to advise someone who was going to go in their family business. 
What piece of advice would you give a young person going into the family business? Great question. I think the number one question is, is on what merits will my performance be judged and rewarded? Otherwise, the disadvantage of family businesses is there's always a family member, thankfully none in my family, but in most families, somebody that doesn't carry their weight, someone that you simply have to pull along. And so establishing on the front end what's fair, what's appropriate, and on what matrix are we being, are we going to each be, be graded and rewarded? You know what? You know that my partner, Paul, is my brother-in-law, and he is brilliant, and he's a great guy. But he and I could not be more polar opposite as humans. And that does cause some challenges. We don't ever get upset with each other, but we don't understand each other all the time. Uh, talk a little bit about the communication, not necessarily when you're just having challenges, but how do you understand each other? Great. Uh, first of all, my brother and I are business partners, and we have other partners in addition. One thing that I really want to speak to siblings here, um, you may not judge yourself relative to your siblings, but others will. And it's almost unfair at times to have someone with the same last name or a sibling or whatever, if, because people will sometimes purposely or unpurposely compare you to to a to one of your loved ones, to, to a member of your family, especially if it's a brother or if you're a sister to your sister, and there's always a, a tension there. The best thing you can do, one of the most important things that my brother and I have learned to do, is privately and publicly speaking incredibly highly of each other, that there's no division that's, that's perceived and no division that's actually real. That second part takes very personal communication and, again, knowing um, on what basis each of you are going to be scored. I want to say it again. Don't allow people to divide you by comparing you to your relatives. Did I make sense? Mark, did I? I really do think so. I think that made a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, I think about my own family. I've got two boys and a girl, and the boys are compared to each other all the time. Yeah. They both are in the same category. They're both uh, very well educated and in finance, and my daughter is much more artistic, much more free thinking. She's not compared to her brothers as much. The two boys are compared to each other all the time. And that's incredibly divisive once um, someone's self-worth gets wrapped up into what people perceive them as being. And then all of a sudden, you've taken a partner and made them a competitor. You know, there's a concept called dating in our in our philosophy of how we experience people. That we see someone after ten years, and you say, "Oh my gosh, look at how you've grown up." I remember you as if you were ten years old. You know, and that's a concept of dating, not like going out on a date, but dating the person back to the time you first knew them. This is a big challenge. Let's say that you're the younger brother. I am the youngest of four kids. Yes. And as the youngest of four kids, you're expected to have a position in the family where you're always asking advice of others, tagging along, you know, doing what everybody else is doing. And by golly, I went my own way. As you know, I'm I'm the crazy one of the family. And so um, we we try. How does a person overcome? Let's say they're the youngest brother. How do they overcome the thought process that that's the little brother. Great question. You are the little I am, brother. I am yeah. the little brother, and part of it is my older brother set the right tone even growing up. He could have beat the pulp out of me. He was smarter than me. He's more athletic. He's more handsome. You named him. You named the measurement, and he could outperform. And yet, he would never compete on those things. We were together. We don't fight. We haven't fought. We talk all the time. Again, um, part of that was being modeled by my father and mother. 
who communicated all the time. I've never heard them argue, but they communicate absolutely all the time, and they disagree. So as the younger person, it's harder to set the tone. The older normally sets the tone, but I have found where if, if being the younger person, if the older sibling knows that you're honoring them and lifting them up uh, publicly and privately, um, absolutely wanting the best for them, again, speaking well of them, even around your spouse and then around your children, um, all of that yields well and becomes truth. You know, I think that's something important because we and our family speak positively about each other all the time. Paul and I especially speak very positively about each other, even when, they, when one of us has a weakness. We say things like, well, that's my job. That's my turn to be strong in that area. Like he's a technical genius and a, and a process thinker, and I'm very salesy, very leadership-driven. Um, one of the things that makes our relationship unique is how well we get along at holidays. And that, uh, you know, you've seen this person Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then all of a sudden Friday is Christmas Eve. And you're going to spend all day Friday and all day Saturday with the same people you've worked in. Um, how do you turn that off? How do you make holidays fresh? Uh, first of all, it, it, it's magical in the organization when you've been both in a, basically the equivalent of a bar fight all week, working hard, elbowing each other sometimes, not purposely, just trying to get the ball, trying to get the thing, and then all of a sudden celebrate together that allows that work environment to be that much richer going forward because you trust each other's intent. Um, th- one of the things that I think is important is, and I'm going to digress a little bit, and I'm going to answer your question in a second, but make sure when that you speak highly of your partners within the organization. Um, if you'll notice, if I go home and I speak to my wife about someone in a negative way, and my children happen to overhear it, my children will never treat that person that I just basically said something about negatively to my wife. They will never honor that person the same way. And I think consistency of communicating things, not being Pollyannish, not being the, the rose-colored glasses, but in public speaking, what you really want that relationship to look like is, is, a, is, is vital because whatever's done um, negatively is magnified by employees or children. So you can see the opposite of, of lifting each other up publicly if you are divisive publicly and even whispering where you don't think someone can hear and yet it's overheard, it can be debilitating to the organization. And so holidays are a great example because they're stressful times. And there's times where it's easy to be short with one another. Um, given that your business partners with a family member means that you've got to make sure those holidays are times of blessings and trust and healing and laughter and you have to be more purposeful in the holidays than you typically would have to be. Very good. Thank you. You know, Hall, Hall Thorpe is a partner at a, at a company called Trinity Research in North Carolina, and they started their business doing specialized advisement and research for multiple companies and then migrated into buying a portion or all of those companies. So many of our listeners are thinking, okay, I'm in a job. I'm stuck in that job. How do I migrate from where I am to where I want to be? I want to be more in control of my future. You've done it. You started out doing research for other people, then identified that there's no one better to take that research and move with it than you. So you guys stepped out and started acquiring businesses. Um, 
Tell me, has that been rewarding, successful? What have been the challenges with that? Great question. Thank you. Um, the big key is um, we call it the 10% rule. 10% of the people that I've worked with before, I would love to have as a business partner. Thankfully, all my business partners fit that, count, that classification or I wouldn't partner with them. Um, if you're considering um, going out on your own, um, a lot of times people do that with partners, be they family or not, and make sure that that person, those people, are the 10 percenters in life or who that you can trust, who are numbers-oriented, that are achievement-oriented, that are team players. Um, it's helpful if you know them as people, you know whether or not they're divisive, you know whether or not they, they can share just because they might have resources of any type, sales ability or financial resources or access to capital, whatever that looks like, if they don't have the character that aligns with your personal character, your ethics and your values, you need to run to the hills, my friends. You absolutely need to avoid it because a bad deal is much worse than a good deal because a good deal with the wrong folks eventually becomes a bad deal. I had an employee not long ago that was top of his class coming out of business school and he realized that he did not pay enough attention to his statistics course while he was in college. Even though he got an A, he didn't learn everything he wanted to know. So after college, he signed up and took statistics again at the community college. Well, of course, and you know him, he now is a third level up at, at Salesforce in San Francisco, and he's a brilliant guy. So you know he got, a four, he got an A in that junior college class. And so... He got a President's Honor Roll certificate for one class he took, and we put it everywhere in the office. In every stall, the men's room, it had his name on it with his certificate. But it, it showed one thing that you've been talking about. The people that understand and know the numbers rule the world. A story is great. An anecdote, I think you said, an anecdote is great, but numbers. He who runs the numbers runs the world. Let me wrap up with this. If you've got a weakness, in your portfolio that you're bringing to the table in work. Why don't you step out and do something about it? Don't let your weakness be a limitation. Get your ass down to the community college and take a course. Read a book. Pick up something. You know, the neat thing about today is you can watch web, you can watch podcasts, WebEx demos. You can be online, do all sorts of great things to educate yourself. And those things are so valuable. So, Take time to think now, are there weaknesses within my personal portfolio, which we call your capacity to make an impact? Remember, your career shouldn't be reliant upon luck. Luck is not a strategy. A strategy is looking at your weaknesses and your strengths and leveraging those. Hallthorpe, thank you so much for being my guest today on Mind Your Business. You are truly a gentleman and a wonderful guy, and I appreciate you very much. Appreciate you. Thanks, my friend. Hey, guys, this is Mark Lewandowski thanking you for joining me today. I'm really excited that you're enjoying the content. It means a lot to me, and I want to encourage you to go deeper into this content by visiting my website at marklewandowski.com. On that website, you're going to find more information like blog posts and all of the other topics we've talked about thus far. And while supplies last, I'm going to give you a copy of my book called Rattle Your Cage. It is a bestseller, and it's an idea stimulator. It's designed to help you kickstart your ideas, get more and more out of your day, more and more out of the way you think, and I'm excited about it. So go onto my website, go to the Connect section, Fill in the information, and I'll send a book to you right away. Again, thank you for being a part of the special things we're doing.
tell your friends and your family members where you're getting this good content. And remember that some is not a number. Soon is not a time. And damn it, luck is not a strategy. 